Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Doing Good Business Podcast. Happy April. If you did not do anything funny for April Fool's Day, we hope that we are able to inspire you a little bit today and the rest of the month because our topic is humor. Yes, let's hear it for humor. (laughs) Woohoo! Let's have some fun. You know, work doesn't have to be all like drudgery and blood, sweat, and tears and blah, 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 blah. So we are really going to try and have some fun this month. And our guest in a couple of weeks is going to help us do that even more. Which is awesome because you hit the nail on the head. Aside from, you know, work doesn't have to be drudgery. This episode, we are intentionally talking about making work enjoyable and helping using humor, right? To help take a break from the intellectual, the emotional challenges at work. We're on it. It's all about humor. So I have to know before we even get started, Laura, (laughs) tell me about When did you have the most fun at work? Because, you know, I've been thinking about this as we've been going Mm -hmm. into this episode. So when did you have the most fun at work? So first of all, what were some of the things you did? Yeah, I love how seriously you asked me that question about (laughs) humor and fun. So that just made my morning. Um, So it's funny. So one of my um, longest jobs, I was with a really small company um, in the recruiting industry for 10 years and did a whole bunch of roles for them. But we had, it was the epitome of, you know, you hear about like the intense environments, like the commission environments, work hard, play hard. And we Mm -hmm. had one person in particular who I still love. And I just, I actually got a text from him the other day, shout out to Elliot, um, who was just, he brought the silly, like every few weeks in, in our like morning meeting, he would tell the same joke and like just crack (laughs) himself up. But one of the things that we started doing was now this was in the olden days where like you physically had to go to someone's computer when they were out of the office to cover for them. So we would kind of rotate and do coverage for each other when somebody was out. Um, But then we started doing cubicle wars. And when somebody was on vacation, we would do something to their cubicle so that when they came Ah. back, it was like, what were they walking into? So some of the things that we did were we took all of the trash cans in the office and we piled them into someone's cubicle so they couldn't even walk in. Um, There was someone who was like a little less awesome to work with. And we actually, (laughs) this is kind of terrible, emptied the paper shredder onto that person's desk. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> but one of the other things we did was we um, we positioned everything on, I think this is actually in, in Elliot's cubicle, and we positioned everything the way that he had it, but we taped it down. <laughs> Nothing moved, like his mouth wouldn't move, but everything looked totally normal. And it was just really funny. At one time, we put like all the plants in somebody's cubicle, and it was just a really funny thing to do. And, you know, who mm-hmm. wants to go back to work the first day for vacation and yeah, it's kind of a pain when you have to move all the trash cans out of your cubicle, but you walk in and you just laugh. And 
Right. You know, that's one of my fondest memories from, you know, that part of my career, which like had its share of really difficult moments as well. Um, but there was a few people like the core group of people that I still keep in touch with from that job, which I left like over six years ago. You know, there was really just that bonded feeling that we got and we could do that mm-hmm. to each other and we could mess around. And it was just super silly and, and super fun. I mean, I remember like chasing each other around the office, the women in the office for one time, we did this thing called fashion challenge where we made a calendar and we just had like different things to do every day. And we made a contest out of it. So just really had a chance to be silly and to have fun. And like, those are such fond memories of that time. Absolutely. And, and I can hear the connection. I, I can hear yeah. your voice and I can hear, you know, you, you, you transported us there in, in that moment and you can see where it does exactly that, right? It does help to, to give you a break from the challenges. It helps to mm-hmm. make more, work more enjoyable. And in your case, even create that sense of connection, which yeah. is so super important. Well, I really, I like, we worked together when one person was on vacation, all the rest of us were working together to put the trash cans in the cubicle or to come up with an idea right. or to, like, tape everything down. So, I mean, really, like, team spirit. <laughs> Creating new solutions. Exactly, exactly. Working together. Oh, my God. So, Kelly, what about you? Tell What was your, you know, what was some of your funniest or most enjoyable work experiences? Very similar to yours because they re, uh, revolved around pranks. So um, this is going back to my earliest job, and I, I always have to qualify that, which I was a baby when I started. Yeah. I was like six, like five years old. It was, right. And uh, so this is back in the 80s, and we did have a lot of fun. This was a very diverse company, too, which will factor into our conversation later. Um, hmm. But we had a, a lot of diversity there, men and women, all different cultures. and But pranks was the thing. And again, we always had a couple of people who just – nailed it all the time. They were just intuitively prankish. <laughs> mm. And so at an architectural office, there are different types of supplies, right? And you have this big brown craft paper. And one night, two guys went out and um, they drove to one of the women's homes and wrapped her car in brown paper and wrote happy birthday <laughs> on it for her birthday, right? So the similar type of thing. Then um, there was a, another time I sat up in the, we didn't have cubicles, but we had like nine desks all in this kind of center square. And Mm -hmm. one of the women that I worked with, she would go out every day at lunch and walk. And so she would get changed into her sneakers. On warmer days, she'd even go in the ladies' room, get changed into shorts and her sneakers. So this one time she was out and I just happened to notice the woman who sat next to me. I said, you are wearing the same shoes as her today because she had left her shoes out. I said, what size are your shoes? She's like six. I'm like, oh, hers are nine. I'm like, give me your shoes. <laughs> we switched the shoes. And when she came back, we, it was really only the two of us in the room even. And we could barely keep a straight face because just the process of watching her try to figure that out, like she's going to put her shoes back on and she's like looking at them, squeezing it, right? And she looks up at me, she doesn't say anything. And I'm trying to like, oh, ha, ha, look away. <laughs> and I'm like, nothing to see here. <laughs> right. And, and she's like, my shoes don't fit. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, maybe I walk so much, you know, that my, my feet got swollen. I said, or maybe I switched your identical shoes for Donna's smaller pair. She's like, oh. But, you know, it was just that kind of break in the day. She laughed about it forever. And those were the types of pranks that we did. And 
uh, one of the funniest did not involve me, but um, it involves someone who later would become my first husband, because if you haven't been paying attention to the podcast, I have an MO. It's about meeting husbands and boyfriends at work, which is why my my very funny husband says, and that's why I like the fact that she works at home now. So um, also but my like shout out back to our behind the scenes episode, other weird things Kelly and Laura have in common is I also met my husband at work. <laughs> right. We are so connected. It's weird. And so it is, it's very weird. And this was just a fine time. It was way before, you know, we were together or anything, but again, it's a drafting room. So there's like 12 drafting tables on one side, 12 on the others. And they just kind of sat in rows back to back, right. And are back to front, back to front. And so um, they, the architects and the drafts people would have these eraser bags for mm. when they had to erase things on the uh, vellum that they were drawing on. Cause this was all pre-CAD and um, one, but somebody, it was very fun, like I said, office and somebody had made some, you know, sarcastic remark, I guess that impacted my first husband and he picked up the bag and he just like tossed it over his shoulder thinking, oh, well, like, just like I, enough, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at that moment, the door from the print room opened and in walked one of the partners and that eraser bag hit him square in the <gasps> chest. Gets funnier. It was the eighties. He was wearing a sweater that had a big target on it and the bag hit the bullseye and it fell to the floor. <laughs> Everyone fell silent. Oh my God. Well, yeah, everybody just kind of looked. I, I happened to just be in there doing something. Everybody fell completely silent. There was that comedic pregnant pause. Uh-huh. Just, like, is this guy going to think stares, this is funny or are we all exactly. fired right now? <laughs> exactly. He's, he stares at the floor and he just looks up. He says, you know, that may not have been funny if I weren't actually wearing a target on my chest. And then the whole place just erupted. And I thought like, even then in my baby days as a leader, I thought that was really good because he, he set up like the, you could go too far with this kind of stuff. And I'm not looking, I'm not encouraging, right. This, this kind of uh, errant humor, but he was still in it. He was in the moment and he found it funny and it really broke the tension. He even create helped to create a little attention by pausing before he said anything. And so like, but those were just that kind of spontaneous, we cared about one another. I, I really do believe that. And I think that that was part of the reason, again, smaller organization, but I think it was part of the reason why things were good natured and, and it was taken that way. I love that. And I'll just, you know, you know, clarification in case anybody needs it. Like we are, when we're talking about humor this month, in no way, shape or form, are we advocating for anything that would be hurtful or offensive in any way. And I think that that story perfectly demonstrates it, right? Like, would that have been an intentional physical thing? Like that wouldn't have been appropriate, but it was a total accident. And you worked in the environment where it was able to be you know, laughed at and things like that. And, you know, so I will say, you know, just putting that out there in case anybody doesn't know us well enough by now, if you're listening to us for the first time, we're advocating for humor that is of the connecting variety, not the disconnecting variety. So nothing that would ever be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm also the person who is very well known for interrupting inappropriate jokes in the workplace and making sure that people don't continue to say them. So just right. throw that caveat out there. Well, um, it's an important caveat. Yeah. You know, like the experts call that, and let me make sure I get this straight, divergent conceptualizations of humor, right? <laughs> that which is funny to me may not be funny to you. Meaning humor can either pull us apart 
or push us together. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. And I, and that's what I was trying to sum up in our example too. Uh, my, the example that I shared was that it definitely pulled us together, but we were already in that ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. And there is nothing, you know, it, it, again, it wasn't intentional, right? It's like, there's a a phrase that I hear a lot now is like, intent doesn't erase impact. So really, you've got Mm -hmm. to start thinking about your impact more than your intent. Like we talk a lot about, you know, assume positive intent. And, you know, what is the way that we could approach the situation by, you know, with the most generous assumption. And, you know, when you're using humor in the workplace, you've really got to remember how is this going to land? It has to go beyond your intention, because even if your intentions are good, you know, some people may or may not be, you know, comfortable with physical humor, just to, to stay with that example. So it's really just thinking right. about more than your intention, what is the potential impact? And there's plenty of ways that we'll talk about, we'll continue to talk about this month of having humor in the workplace with a really positive um, impact. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are a lot of comedians who do this really well, but I, I think too, it's just putting the unexpected together. And you can do that in a very, you know, kind of common way. And that makes it even funnier. And I mention this because, you know, you know me, Laura, but for those who don't, I have, I have a met you. family. I, you have <laughs> met me. <laughs> I have a Scottish family and I adored my grandparents. They brought, they moved here when my father was six. They never lost their Scottish brogues. And I spent an incredible amount of time with them, was lucky to have them for a long time, even into my adult life. And um, what I find is that when I do presentations, every once in a while, I'll bring in a little bit of a Scottish brogue. And it oh, really? a laugh. Absolutely. Oh, really? And I'm mentioning it today because of all days, April 6th. In North America, it's Tartan Day, where, where we out. honor and recognize outstanding achievements um, made by Scottish Americans to the United oh States and Canada. So a little bit of divine inspiration there. Call it what you will, folks. We coexist on this podcast. But when, when we started talking about this and I realized what day it was, I thought, oh, I really do want to bring this up because I think the humor is in what Mike Myers, who, you know, the comedian who does a lot of Scottish characters, his family, I think is Canadian and Scottish and stuff like that. So he did those Saturday night live, uh, live skits, right? All things Scottish. And when you think about that and people, um, he was being interviewed one time and someone said to him, so like, is it hard to do a Scottish accent? He's like, oh no, you only put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And that's why, right? And that's what is the unexpected. That's what makes it funny. And I think it's also for people who are familiar with it, I think not this Christmas, but the Christmas before this just kind of swept Facebook, but the story of the wonky donkey. And it was this Scottish grandmother reading this book to her grandson and the Scottish accent. Plus, she's cracking herself up because the story was just funny. But it's the way she said, the wonky donkey. And I have the book and I've read it and I've read it in the Scottish accent. I have My never family. heard Kelly's Scottish accent. It's bringing me such joy right now. <laughs> it, it's just absolutely hysterical. And then I, so again, now my Scottish family may not feel who still lives in Scotland. They may not feel that it's, it's a true Scottish brogue, but I find that to be very funny and, and others find it to be funny. But that's an example of this divert, divergent conceptualizations of humor is mm-hmm. that, right, 
in multicultural situations, it's really best to joke about your own characteristics. And because yep. I am Scottish, you know, um, I feel that I can do that and get away with it. Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. There's, I attribute this to another comedian. I can't remember his name, but he had a great routine. <clears throat> and he says, do you ever notice that you don't really hear of many Scottish blues players? He's like, because what would that sound like? Da, 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 da. I'm a weep at the press. Da, 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 da. Right? <laughs> it just doesn't work because it makes you laugh. So oh I think God, that's, that's so funny. an example of those <laughs> unexpected things that we can pull together. Everyday things. Now they're comedian and, um, and then I'll lay off the comedian things. We'll dive back into our stuff. But I think it's a good example. It's got a business application. Uh, Brian Regan, great, funny comedian, family friendly, wholeheartedly recommend him. He does this routine where he says, have you ever been on the highway and you see two log trucks going in opposite directions? He says, and I had to stop and think, well, if you needed logs there and you needed logs there, <laughs> what a phone call worked that out, right? Oh, <laughs> and it's funny. So funny. And I think it's also <clears throat> in business, we tend to sometimes overlook the obvious in our rush to solve a problem or, you know, um, address a pain point. But sometimes humor when you use it effectively like that can actually surface some really great ideas in addition to building teamwork like you were talking about. Yeah. Well, Kelly, you and I talk so much about, you know, cultures at work and, you know, getting away from command and control and getting into more innovative cultures. And um, there's a great Forbes article that I'll put a link to in the show notes. But one of the things it mentions, and, and this is from an author of a book called The Humor Advantage, Why Some Businesses Are Laughing All the Way to the Bank. They talk about the workplaces that encourage people to be themselves have more humor and have a better culture and they tend to be more innovative so that people tend to be more open. The cultures tend to be more innovative. And even sometimes people who aren't comfortable sharing their humor can do so in environments where it's, you know, it's appropriate and it's fostered. And those environments tend to be the ones that are more innovative, which I just found really right interesting and you know like again we've talked about creating culture and um you know teamwork and all that kind of stuff it's also a stress buster it also you know it allows us to show each other's humanity we talk about bringing your whole self to work and for most of us you know some form of humor is a part of who we are it can put people at ease you know think about your first day on a job you know maybe if you're the person that's taking that new person to lunch, like that's a chance to use a little bit of humor. Um, mm -hmm. It can actually build trust, you know, it can actually be something that shows your authentic self so that people start to trust you. Obviously, it can boost morale, you know, I think we've talked about that in our stories, but it makes you sound more approachable as a, a person individually. And it actually can increase productivity, again, going back to that innovation statistic, you know, it can make people feel more relaxed and comfortable to take risks. You know, we talk about those environments. Um, I think Google calls it a, a safe to fail or a fail safe experiment, something along those lines. I'm probably misquoting it, but, you know, really creating those environments to foster innovation and to foster productivity. So important, right? And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And, you know, we did an episode very early on in the podcast about fear. And I, you know, the when F you talk word. about all of the F word, <laughs> 
when you I talk think that's about what we called it actually if we were smart that's what we called I, it but i'll link to I, it so we probably did in case. <laughs> absolutely because when people are in fear mode they're in self-preservation mode and i think all of those things that you're talking about at the very beginning of this is helping people to move from this protect mode, thinking about me, my self-preservation. Is it okay? I'm new here. I don't know what's going on, or I'm not sure if this idea will fly and getting them into the connect mode of, of, of their brain, right? Which is they're thinking about we, what can we do together? And these humor, right, is one Mm -hmm. positive aspect that can really create those bridges toward getting people out of me. It's okay. We can surface mm-hmm. some new ideas here. It's okay. We can collaborate, right? Mm-hmm. But in a very, and another great word you use, in a very human way. Because yes. as humans, we all want to be part of the tribe, right? That's, that's just part of it. And so when we do that, when we can connect with other people and use our humor, then we're more likely to receive assistance and support from our tribe, right? Mm-hmm. And humor actually gets other people in a good mood, which is great because when they're laughing and feeling good about it, they're filling up their own coffers with the social resources that are essential for cooperation because feeling good means we're not feeling fear. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And it is definitely, you know, you can't, so um, one of the things that I do is I teach for the coach training program that I graduated from and we did a lesson last week and part of the lesson was teaching about neural interruption and we used humor mm-hmm. to do that. So in a one-on-one session, when you think about, you know, and obviously, you know, coaching sessions are timed just like one-on-one sessions with an employee might be timed. Like you might have a 30 or a 60 minute time limit. And if you have, you know, in my case, a coaching client, but in the business world, if you have an employee that's sitting in front of you and there's something really heavy going on, you know, maybe it's a missed deadline, maybe, you know, the employee's got some stuff going on. Like, how do you end that time in a place where that person that's sitting in front of you is, you know, safe and okay and can go out in the world? Like, humor is a great neural interruption to be able mm-hmm. to kind of like break the, the, like the heaviness, the thickness of something yeah. that um, everyone is worried about, right? So if I'm in a one-on-one with an employee, and I mean, I can think of times that this has happened, you know, there's a big thing going on, you know, maybe a client's unhappy, you're having to have the conversation about it, but time is winding down and you can kind of sense that the person is still feeling really like off put and that's going to negatively impact their work. That's a great time to use humor at the end of it. And, you know, the way that we actually teach it is just being very transparent about it and saying like, okay, you know, I know we've only got about 10 or 15 minutes left. Like I have a very important question to ask you and like everything gets really serious and I would say to you Kelly do you think that mullets should return to the hairstyling (laughs) world no really like I think that we need to have a very serious conversation about that like should we start to bring mullets back into the common fashion scene of 2000 Right. right so it's like so it's a neural interrupt and like in brain science that is the thing that helps your brain shift gears and get out of that Mm -hmm. really heavy space heavy mode um, right exactly and then to yeah. go back into that like I'm able to be creative I'm able to get my job I'm not just spinning out into a spiral so you know leaders feel free to use it in that sense too um, and I think also you know for leaders individually you've got to start by laughing at yourself you know you can't you can't That's start what I was going to ask person. you what do you see in leaders right mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so you can't does start well? it by like kind of poking fun you know at a situation I think as a leader you know just like everything right it's got to start with you 
So, you know, poke fun at yourself, show that it's okay. You know, maybe a great mm-hmm. opportunity is when you're sharing a mistake or a misstep that you made with your team to kind of humanize yourself as a leader and be like, well, clearly I'm not perfect around here. So just a reminder, I don't ever expect any of you to be either because look at this crazy faux pas that I just made over here. Look at this deadline I totally blew. You know, I don't ever expect you to be perfect. You know, what I do expect is, you know, in integrity and to acknowledge it when you make a mistake, because very clearly we all make mistakes. And that's, you know, not something that we Mm want to shun in this culture. We want to just make sure that we've got a culture of transparency and that we're talking about it. So really, I think, you know, step one is just be able to laugh at yourself, be able to poke fun at yourself, you know, be the person that says, I remember we had a leader at a company one time, really high level, took over, and he was doing, you know, town halls at each of the different offices. And he was like, look, the most common question I'm getting everywhere, because this was an acquisition, is you know, are we still going to be able to wear jeans to work? He's like, guys, don't care what you wear. Never cared what you wear. It's all going to be fine. Right. <laughs> right. Like he really poked fun at himself and at the experiences that he'd had in going office to office and, you know, trying to do this like large corporate takeover of what had been a small independent company. And he's like, don't care what you wear. Check it out. I'm wearing jeans today. So, you know, right. like start by poking fun at yourself. Right. I think that's so important. Um, it's like an olive branch almost to say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. this is, I do this for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you touched on a, a couple of great things in and ways that leaders can use humor. And I think there are a couple of other strategies as we we think about that, because, you know, I'm still this person, Scottish accent or not. I have to ask, right? Why are you trying to bring humor into your organization? What 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 would you be trying to accomplish? And there are two areas that I don't think really bubble to the top for people when they think about humor in the workplace, but the underpinning is around cooperation. And similarly to the brain-based conversation we were having, um, we'll include a great article I found about the link between, you know, how cooperation helps us and how humor starts to you know, foster that that sense of cooperation amongst us, mm-hmm. as I alluded to earlier. But there are two ways that I think that this could be really helpful for any any of our listeners out there who are in the areas of um, having to do negotiations or customer relations. Because in negotiations, humor can really be used to kind of prime the pump, so to speak, which activates our brains, as we've been talking about, to get to be more cooperative which in negotiations leads to collaboration. The ben- this benefits the negotiator because the same good humor softens their approach, which is what you're talking about, and allows mm-hmm. them to see the person they're negotiating with in ways that promote understanding, which leads to better negotiations and outcomes all around. So that's mm-hmm. something that can be done. Um, in customer relations, and this is where I think humor comes into play, where it's least expected, with financial advisors. There's a documented study that advisors who use humor during consultations have left their clients feeling pleasantly surprised by the service experience. Because again, unexpected, right? Connection, right? Making myself a little bit vulnerable by being funny, right? And and now Mm -hmm. I feel that sense of connection with you. And in healthcare, where emotions run high, and yet patients and their families are co-participants in the therapy. So we don't really think of customer relationships Mm -hmm. that way, but it is a customer relationship. I'm the doc, you know, I'm the patient, I'm receiving a service from the doctor. Mm -hmm. And I think to have a little bit of humor around that, again, 
uh, all of your caveats included, my own, added, you know, mm-hmm. in context, you have to always know your audience, right? And yeah. for some people, yeah. this just will not fly. But in my own family, I can say, uh, we're probably off the charts on this one because <laughs> we, we really will. There is no scenario that is so serious. Um, and this has been medical things. This has been end of life issues in my family that someone won't make a little bit of a joke. And mm-hmm. we all, again, care for one another enough to know the intention behind that. And it yep. really does. It helps to bring your blood pressure down, right? Mm-hmm. It helps to release some of those endorphins. And um, in this case, with the healthcare perspective, then using humor is about helping to, again, create those bridges where patients and their families can become co-creators of the therapies, right? Because the doctor can tell you this is what you need to do, but there has to be some buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Just like like any other strategy that someone in business would use. So I thought those were two really interesting ways to think about humor, <clears throat> um, both um, in negotiations when it's possible and then yeah. in customer relations. It can be done. And I, awesome. I think it could, as you've said, the companies that use more humor, we're going to hear about that in our next episode. Um, we're going to hear more about that with Mary Fran Bontempo, but the, the companies that use that are really better off for it. Yeah. No, I when agree. When done that's well. Awesome. You know, that's my permanent caveat. <laughs> when done well. Yes. <laughs> when done well. And the articles that we'll link to really, you know, speak into that as well. Um, the one that Kelly just mentioned and, and the two that I referenced were both, you know, from HBR and Forbes. So we'll definitely have some more resources for you. If this is exciting and you want to start using humor in your workplace, check out our show notes. There's some great resources in there as well. Um, I'm excited that in two weeks, we're going to talk to Mary Fran Bontempo and, and continue this topic of humor in the workplace. She's somebody who sees it every day. And, yeah. And she's super funny. And, you know, she's going to bring more um, just kind of like we try to do with our guests, the real world, the proof is in the pudding. Companies are doing this and they're doing it well. And, you know, here's some great outcomes that, that have arisen from it. Awesome. I'm Woo-hoo. in for it, Laura. I'm, right. I'm going to join you for that episode. How's that? You want to, <laughs> that'd be great. I'd love to have you there. Um, <laughs> you want to, you want to take us out with a little bit of brogue? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yes. When I was in Scotland, here, here's how we'll end this. If you can say it, you're all right, you can. So if you can say that, then you can speak with a Scottish accent. There I you go. Practice that you at just home, kids. So I <laughs> thank you, everyone. We hope you laughed at least half as much as we did in the last half hour. Happy, uh, happy month of humor. And uh, thanks, as always, for being here. Give us a, uh, a rating or review wherever you're listening to this podcast, share us with a friend and uh, thank you always for your amazing support of doing good business. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.